Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. Like he said, my name is Jeremy Shirky. I'm a pastoral resident at Image Church. If you ask me what that means, I don't know. But I'm excited to be here and learn from people like Jay, Chuck, and Matt. And like I said earlier, it is really an honor just to be with those guys and kind of follow them in a way, which kind of leads into our sermon topic today. Um, Jay called me this week, and he said, uh, when was it? Maybe New Year's Eve. said, hey, would you like to preach this week? And I said, sure, because for me, I love preaching. This part is pretty cool, but what I really love about it is when y'all make a presentation, you have to literally know the stuff before you talk about it. So it really gives you an opportunity to like dig in, dive in, and like know it for yourself to actually say something about it, right? So when someone says, hey, you want to preach about something? I'm always in because I really like the, just the timeline and being like pushed towards studying. So I said, cool, what do you want me to preach about? And he said, man, it's an off week. We, we just finished our last sermon, and um, you can preach about whatever you want whatever you think image needs to hear, which was really freeing, and I was really thankful for that, but it's also, like, preach about anything, what are you going to choose? You know, like, out of the whole Bible, you just flip some pages, point, and be like, okay, that sounds good. I don't know. So I was really thinking about it, and I was thinking about conversations I've been having with people at Image recently, and um, pretty much three words that Jesus said kind of summarizes what I want to talk about today. And in the beginning of Matthew, he said, come, follow me. These three words quite literally changed the whole world. I don't know if you remember this, but at the beginning of Matthew, after Jesus had been baptized, after he was in the wilderness, and he started his ministry because he was in Galilee, and then John the Baptist got arrested, and that was the sign that everything started, he went out. And he found these two guys, two brothers, Simon, who we later know as Peter, and his brother Andrew. And the first thing he said to them was, come, follow me. The rest of it is, I'll make you fishers of men. Um, And immediately they dropped their nets and they followed him. Um, But those words, come, follow me, are so powerful that it just really gets something in my head hard to wrap around. Because... As a culture, we love to follow, but we hate to follow. Am I right? Like, do y'all remember P90X? I think it was Ab Ripper X, the guy at the beginning is, he says, I hate it, but I love it. <laughs> and I just had that in my mind all week, that guy saying that. And I tried so hard to get it out, I prayed against it, but it was just in there constantly. But it's true, we love to follow because we were created to follow. That's who we are. We are followers. Um, But at the same time, we hate to follow because everything we follow seems to have an expiration date. Okay? So we're always keeping our eyes out for new things to follow because nothing, it seems like, is good enough to follow forever. So it'll get boring. It'll get stale. It'll get tired. You feel like you're in control of it. You know what's coming next. So we constantly feel like we need something new, but we're always following something. So when I was thinking about Image Church, what are things that we follow? I wrote down a few things. Um, First and foremost, any sort of social media, 
we're constantly following people, right? So I don't even know. I just know the big three, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like, we're picking and choosing who we follow. Um, my Facebook now is a baby book. I don't know about y'all. I'm 30, so whenever I scroll, 80% is just babies. So apparently I follow babies. And <laughs> it's cute, I guess, but uh, I'm not on much anymore. Uh, but yeah, so we're following people um, through social media. We follow guys, girls in high school. We follow men, women out of high school. We follow our exes. We follow our potential spouses. Like, we are always on the lookout following what people are doing, seeing what they're doing. Um, We follow spiritual teachers. We also follow false teachers, which is kind of scary. But this is who we are as humans. We're followers. We do that. Um, We'll get back to that uh, later on in the sermon. Um, We follow people like Uh, Financial Peace University, y'all know that, Dave Ramsey, because we follow this man because we're like, this man can tell me what to do with my money so I make more money, so it's like, I'm in, I'll follow whatever you say, I lay all my money at your feet, just tell me what to do, right, Um, we follow artists, rappers, bands, moguls, I mean, I know Jay follows fashion hip-hop guys, I know Matt follows lumberjacks, Um, (laughs) you know, axemen, I don't know. Uh, speaking of following, I knew I was preaching today, so I just followed Matt and tried to dress like him, but uh, I didn't have any Murrays for my hair, so I couldn't go all the way. Um, It's funny because it's true, so, um, but yeah, like, we're always following people. Like, we follow celebrities. When you think about it for a second, it's ridiculous that we follow celebrities. Who are celebrities? Literally, who are celebrities? Maybe one in a hundred are actually worth following because they graduated from Harvard and they did some great stuff and they really love their communities. But the Kardashians? Why? Why do we follow them? I don't know. I don't know. But I follow people, celebrities too. And I just find myself fascinated, but I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Um, I follow TV shows. We follow sports teams. Like, all of us have a favorite team. We're always keeping up to date with it. Like, just before service, we were talking about the national championship game and all this stuff with sports, and it's amazing. Sometimes I feel I know more about sports than I do about the Bible, which is kind of crazy, but it is true. (laughs) I know a lot about sports. Uh, An embarrassing person I follow, I don't even know his name, but I don't have Twitter, and I follow him on Twitter. I just type his name into Google and click his Twitter account. It's embarrassing. I feel embarrassed right now telling you this, but this is my uh, confession, Uh, not Usher. Um, (laughs) Side comment. Someone was telling me, trying to get me to guess these girls right here. We were playing a game on New Year's Eve, and they were saying who this person was I was had on my head, and they're like, confessions. And I was like, oh, R. Kelly, done. I moved on. They're like, no, no, no. Anyway. But yeah, so I follow this guy, I type his name in Twitter, I'm reading what he says, and all he's saying is potential high school athletes that are interested in going to the University of Florida. It is sad. I'm telling it's just, I feel embarrassed telling you, but it's sad. But I do that. I probably do it once every two days. Um, We follow travelers, explorers, authors, writers, bloggers, the latest blank, um, what would make you excited to finish this sentence? The latest blank just came out today. 
Like, what would make you super excited? Is it an Apple product? Is it Jordan's? Jordan's? All right. Uh, the latest uh, Lady Snoop CD? That's me. Uh, <laughs> what, what would make you excited? Or how about this? Who would have to walk through that back door right now that would literally make you fall out of your seat? I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and tell them who would walk through that back door that would make you fall out of your seat. All right, so I know, I've been thinking about mine. I actually really don't know who that would be. I know my wife would be T-Swift. Um, she'd be super excited. Okay. It's either Taylor Swift or One Direction or something, I don't know. Anyway, um, my wife's a fanboy, just to let you know. Uh, yeah, but whoever you said, these are the people that you follow. These are the things that you follow. Now, I want to tell you why I think Jesus is worthy of being the sole person that you actually follow. Why follow Jesus Christ? Why would we follow Jesus? Um, if you've been to Image for any amount of time, you've heard us talk about this thing called the gospel. Right Now, the gospel is, it means good news, but the gospel is short for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not a general good news. It's not a general, oh, we believe the gospel. No, we believe specifically a good news about Jesus Christ, okay? We don't want to get that twisted because we speak about the gospel a lot, but we need to refine it into it's actually good news about Jesus, um, this, this Jesus who is our Savior, who's our Messiah, who's our everything. Um, now, I want to explain to you why this is good news. This is something that's been burning on my heart is a lot of times we focus on aspects of the good news. Like when someone says, what is the good news? People say, oh, Jesus died on the cross. Oh, Jesus resurrected. But let me give you a little overview of what the actual good news is. The good news is that God planned and promised to rescue us when we fell in the garden through the seed of the woman. That right when we fell out of good graces with God, that he made a promise that he kept. But he made a promise that through the seed of the woman, that he would crush the head of the evil one. Right then. It didn't take, it, it was a direct turnaround. Right then, he made that promise. And all of human history pushed towards that promise. The good news is that Jesus pursued us here on earth from heaven. That he came from heaven all the way down to earth to pursue us. The good news is that Jesus lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He perfectly obeyed the Father on our behalf when we couldn't. Perfect in every way. The good news is that Jesus bore the wrath of God for our sins on the cross that he literally got up on the cross to bear the wrath that we deserved on our behalf for us, that he stood in our way to bear it for us. 
The good news is that Jesus overcame and defeated death in his resurrection so that in him we can overcome and defeat death, that we have new life. The good news is that Jesus then ascended into heaven and is right now alive sitting next to the Father as king of the universe. That is true. The good news is that Jesus did not leave us to ourself here, but he actually poured out his spirit so that we can be convicted and confronted and comforted and that the spirit can intercede for us for the Father, that we can actually have a relationship with the Father in heaven. And the good news is that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And he's going to end death. He's going to end sin. He's going to end disease. He's going to end destruction once and for all. It's going to be over. These are facts. So if you're in Jesus, there is no better news and there is no one more worthy to follow. That's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's like when you really try and take things in, the complexity of it, and you get like caught up in different ways and we get to focus on different aspects. But the whole big picture the more we focus on it, the more clear it becomes. It's amazing news. And just everything revolves around Jesus. One day, Jesus will walk through that back door when he comes back. Does that make you excited? Do you feel ready for that day? Um, are you putting your hope in that day? That Jesus is going to walk through that door? He's coming back. We are silly people, and we're silly and foolish because we follow things that lead to death, because they are dead. Idols are dead. Jesus is alive. Okay? We, we worship things, and we worship idols that are dead. We're enslaved to things and put our time into things that are dead, and they bring us death. And if you are in Christ and you are in Jesus... You are free from bondage and enslavement to sin. So church, if you're free, why do you keep following dead things? I know as a church we ask this question all the time. This is a question I've heard so many times at Image. It's, look, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I need Jesus. And I, I accept Jesus' payment on the cross on my behalf. And I, I put my full trust and faith in him. I'm a Christian, but now what do I do for the next few decades I'm here on earth? What, why am I alive? What am I doing? Um, if you've known me for any amount of time, I use this story a lot, so I'm sorry if it's, uh, you've heard it before, but it's probably one of the top three stories that resonates with me that always draws me back uh, to understanding the answer to that question. So in, uh, when Abraham Lincoln was president, he, the Civil War was over, slavery was abolished, um, and then some of his advisors came into the Oval Office and they said, hey, there's a boat coming to the D.C. dock today that's carrying slaves on it. And Abraham Lincoln was like, no, that's impossible. That, that doesn't happen. And they said, look, it's going to be here at 3 o'clock, and so we can go down to the D.C. docks and check it out for ourselves. And he said, okay. So he goes down there, sure enough, boat comes up, slaves get off, first person out is a woman, gets on the stand, and is getting bid on. And Abraham Lincoln buys this woman. The woman comes over to Abraham Lincoln, and he says, okay, you're free to go. And she says, free to go wherever I want? 
He's like, yeah. And she said, free to be whoever I want? He's like, yeah. And she said, so you're telling me I can do whatever I want, be whoever I want, and exist how I want? And he's like, yeah, I bought you for a price. I've paid for it in full, and now you're free to go. And she said, well, in that case, I'm going to follow you because I know I'll be enslaved anywhere else I go. Another way to think about that is in Exodus. The Israelites were actual slaves of the Egyptians. And through miraculous signs and wonders, God, through Moses, freed them. And they set them free when all odds were stacked against them from the most powerful country on earth. And then they walked out into the wilderness after they had seen so many signs and wonder. And even in the wilderness, Jesus kept providing God kept providing for them. Manna coming from heaven, water coming from rocks, signs and wonders on Mount Sinai. And you know what the Israelites were saying? I want to go back to Egypt. And Moses would be like, what are you talking about? You, are, you will be a slave if you go back to Egypt. And they're seeing the signs and wonder of God himself. And then they're saying, I can't, I can't keep doing this. I don't know when we're going to get to the promised land, and I can't keep going through the wilderness. I want to go back. I'd rather be a slave than trust where we're going. So I, I just ask you guys, you were bought, you are free, and you were made to follow. So who will you follow? We have a choice in it. There's something in us that God's given us that's a choice, that we get to choose who we follow. Um, and it's an active choice. We get to keep choosing every day who we follow. Um, if that means Jesus, I mean, if your answer is Jesus, that you say, yes, I am a Christian, I follow Jesus, then the next question is, how do you follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow? And, you know, this week I've been thinking about that question, like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And I've been thinking through just different scenarios, modern day, where people just, what following looks like, whether in gangs or in fraternities and sororities or, um, I don't know, a master ninja and a protege. Uh, that's what I think in my mind. Um, just wanting to learn all the skills of the ninja, ninja ways. Uh, but the question is, what, is that, what does that look like? I mean, what does complete devotion to something look like? What does it mean when I say, I'm going to throw my f- face down before someone and be like, look, teach me your ways. I want to follow you. Whatever it looks like. Jesus in the Gospels, it talks 23 separate times about following Jesus and that people are following him. So this is a very constant theme in the Gospels. So I'm going to give you a classic three-point sermon on uh, things to consider when you're following someone. The first thing, you can't follow someone you don't know. Point blank. If, if you don't know the person, then how in the world are you going to follow them? Um, how do you learn about Jesus? How do you learn about the big story? Well, we've been given an amazing gift called the Bible. Um, it, there's this, this is my opinion. There's a major dilemma in the church right now, the American church, where if someone was to come up to you, well, I'm going to put it on you. I'm going to put it on me. If someone was to come up to me and say, I read my Bible every day. I know the first thing I would utter under my breath is, legalist. 
But is that legalism? I mean, this is the question, because we go so hard, which are for right reasons. There are plenty of people in the church right now who do things to try and earn God's favor. And plenty of people. And we, we go against that so hard week in and week out. But you know what problem I see? Is that people in our church don't read the Bible because we don't think we need to. I mean, how, how are we going to find out about God? How are we going to find out about Jesus? How are we going to know when someone's a false teacher? We, we're going to just listen to secondhand stories and conversations? Are we going to go to the primary source for ourselves and really study it and know it and let this active word of God speak to us directly? You know, about 500 years ago, a lot of people died because they wanted you to be able to read the Bible for yourself. And that's a fact. A lot of brave people said, we're going to take the Bible out of just the, the past or the priest's hand because there's a lot of corrupt priests and we're going to make it accessible to everybody and we're going to translate it so it's not just in Latin, Hebrew, and Greek and we're going to translate it into every language so everyone will have the ability to read the Bible and it changed the world. It's another thing that changed the whole world and we take that for granted so hard today because we can read the Bible whenever we want but it's just the Bible. It's, you know, just another book. But it's not. It is, it is the word of life. It gives you life. You know, something that I get deceived about all the time is my own three words is uh, I get it. I get it. I know about Jesus. I get it. I don't need to read any more about him. I, I'm in seminary. I don't know if y'all knew that. So I get it. Uh, <laughs> It's something I tell myself all the time. But the truth is, in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it talks about how we see right now in a mirror dimly what the truth and reality is. We hardly see what the truth is. Like, we're in a sandstorm, squinting, making out things, thinking like, oh, I understand what's going on. Oh, I see. Yeah, I get it. But we can't even see this far in front of our face. But yet, somehow, I'm telling myself that. It's like... The story of God is not one-dimensional. It's not like an aha moment, like I get it now. It is a deep, complex mystery that you can spend not only your whole life, but all of eternity understanding what it is. You know, we've, even Jesus himself is a complex guy. He's a gracious savior that pleads for us. He's a righteous king that commands us. And he's a suffering servant who dies for us. He's all three of those things and more. But we say, yeah, I get it. We don't get it. We do not get it. Um, There's still so much to know. Like, I was blown away the other day. There's this guy who's a theologian in America, and he just came out with a commentary, which basically means a study guide for the book of Matthew. It's one gospel, one book in the Bible, and he spent 25 years writing it. It's his life work. And I'm saying that I know who Jesus is. How prideful and cocky can you be? This man spent 25 years of his life dedicated to one gospel. So there's still so much to know. Are you taking the time to know who you're following? Number two, 
You need to be in the presence of the one you're following. You can't follow someone from afar. You can't, you can't say, um, yeah, you know, like, let's say a master chef, like, oh, yeah, I'm following him, but I'm not in the kitchen at all. I don't, I've never seen him cook, but definitely a follower. Doesn't make any sense, right? So how are we going to be in the presence of Jesus? How do we draw near to Jesus? The answer is prayer. This is another thing that we get very hyper either legalistic about where we're like, oh, I pray all the time and I pray three hours a day and blah, blah, blah. Or we get very uh, standoffish like, I'll pray when I want because I'm free. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. You know, prayer is this act of submitting yourself before God, humbling yourself before the king of all kings, resting in your new identity in Christ, okay? Asking for help, developing a relationship. Let me tell you something that's been blowing my mind this week. In Jesus, we have the ability to speak and to be in the presence of God himself, We're talking God himself. We're not talking a buddy that you sit next to watching a game. We're talking the maker of galaxies that we get to enter in to the throne room of God and submit ourselves to actually be in the presence of God himself. Through Jesus, we have the access to enter into the most holy of holies, You have the greatest honor you could possibly imagine. There is no greater honor than being allowed to be in the presence of God. So when you pray, it's not just a, oh, let's kick it, let's get the prayer in. It's like you're entering the presence of the Almighty. There's no one higher. There's no better honor. And you have been given that access through Jesus. Why should we follow Jesus? Because we get the highest honor to be in front of the Father. So when Jesus says, come, follow me, draw near, it's it's mind-blowing how big of an honor it is. The third thing, and probably the thing that most of us hate to hear, but to follow someone, you need to listen and obey. This is an active response. Um... We show our love to Jesus by obeying what he says. You want to love Jesus? Obey what he says. If you say, I love Jesus, then you're saying, I'm obeying what he says. A lot of us talk the talk. But at the end of the day, you know, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. He tells Peter, if you love me, you will feed my sheep. The way you show your love for me is obeying what I said. And what did Jesus say? Love God, love your neighbor. That sums up all of what he said. And so many different sermons we could go down to breaking that down of what that literally means and how that plays out in our day-to-day life. But I think what we just need to remember now is to love Jesus, to show our love for Jesus is obeying. Our response to the gospel is obeying. So We don't obey because we think we're getting something. We obey because we know we've been given everything, right? But here's the the thing. We talk about it a lot of what the gospel means. And we talk about how freeing it is and how empowering it is and what 
amazing news it is. But then we actually have a choice to respond to it and obey Jesus. Because it's not just something he said, hey, I'd like y'all to do this. He commanded it. He said, you need to do this. Um, Now, if someone says, teach me your ways, and then this person teaches them their ways, and then they go, "Mm, are they really following that person? I think that's a question we should really wrestle with. Now, I'm fully aware, I'm fully aware that I fail at being a great follower. I'm not even a worthy follower. But as followers in Jesus, there's plenty of grace for us. That Jesus does not turn his back on us. That he's accepted us. If you're in Jesus, you're always in Jesus. You don't have to get it perfect. And thank God for that. But even as we continue to fail and sin once we're Christians, uh, we get to repent. And we get to know that God's steadfast love prevails. And it's true. So, yeah, there's a bunch of grace for us. But it's, it's not to say, just, just don't do anything. I have grace for you to not to do anything. It's saying, no, obey my commands. Love, walk in love. Love your neighbors. Love God. And when you fail, I'm going to help you. I'm going to pick you up. I forgive you. And I'm still with you. I haven't gone anywhere. So even repenting is obeying. You are choosing to follow God by turning back to God. Now, here's another thing I've been learning. There's a big difference between regret, remorse, and repentance. Okay? Regret is not repentance. Regret is a mental uh, aspect when you say, I shouldn't have done that. And that was a big mistake last night. Shouldn't have done it. Um, remorse is something a little deeper. It's a mental acknowledgement that what you, you did something wrong, but then you feel the pain of it. You, you feel the disgust of like, <sighs> so it's your intellectual, yeah, I shouldn't have done that, but also your heart really hurts and burns. But it's not, remorse is not repentance, okay? I'm sure Judas was very remorseful for what he did, but he was not repentful. I don't know if that's a word. But you can quote me on it. Um, But repentance actually involves a third aspect. Okay? It's not only that you mentally know that what you did was wrong. It's not only that you know in your heart and you feel what you've done is wrong. But it involves your will, which means your decision. To turn away from what is bringing you death and destruction and turn back to Jesus. Okay? Okay? it's really hard for me to imagine this when I feel like I've sinned, but Jesus' disposition towards me has never changed. He's still open-armed, wanting to embrace me. You know what happens when I sin? I turn from Jesus. That's my decision. So then I turn, and I'm walking in my ways. In every way, just like the story, every way leads to death besides Jesus. And Jesus is pleading for me to come back. And so that really what it means is we have a decision. You have a decision. The sins that you commit, the sins that you're in, at some point you have a decision to turn back to God. And you can't decide that on your own. That's why we have a helper in the Holy Spirit. That's why we have good news because we can trust that we can turn around and God's going to be right there. Okay? 
So I see sometimes, you know, people in our church, when you sin, you feel so much shame that you're like, there's no way I'm turning around because I don't want to see God's face, what he'll look at me in such disdain and disgust. But that's a lie. Like Jesus and God want to embrace you. And if you're in Jesus, all Jesus says is, you're my beloved child and I'm well pleased in you. He says the same thing over Jesus as baptism and he says the same thing about you because you're in Jesus. And if that's true and we believe that, then we can turn from the things bringing us death and turn back to God and follow God. He's there. He's not going anywhere. He's always steadfast in his love. But we are our own biggest enemies because we turn from God. We put up the walls. And so we need to believe the gospel is good news that not only does God want us back, but God sent his son to die for us on our, our behalf so that we can be with God forever and that we can repent anytime we want, and that we can be in the presence of God anytime we want. So I love the analogy of seeing God as like the father looking over the horizon, waiting for their child to come back home. Because a lot of us, were, we're runners. We like to choose what we want to do, and we run away. But God is always expectantly waiting for us to return. So my question for you is, are you tired of running? Have you been running your whole life? Or are you in a season right now where you feel so much shame that you just can't turn around to God? Come follow Jesus. Come home. Um, are you tired of putting on a mask and trying to be something you're not? Turn from your idea of what you think you are and come follow Jesus to find your true identity. Are you lost? Are you confused? Have you hit dead end after dead end? Come, follow Jesus and walk behind him as he defines your new path. Are you bored? Are you bored to death? Is that why you keep trying to follow all these new things? Because you're just so bored? Do you have no idea what to do with your life? Come follow Jesus and find new life in him. Are you a new believer? Do you not know what to do like next? Follow Jesus. Are you an old believer? Are you a salty veteran like Chuck and Debbie? <laughs> Follow Jesus. Keep the faith. Hold out hope in his return. Keep fighting. Are you not a believer? Come follow Jesus with us. Because I'm telling you, anything else you follow in this world is going to lead to your own death. Because the things that you're following cannot give you life because they're dead. They're created. There's only one creator and only one person that can pull life out. So true life comes from Jesus alone. Come to Jesus by repenting of your sins. Then choose to follow Jesus towards life, towards righteousness, towards goodness. Jesus says, come follow me. Why do we put our time and our efforts and our money into the foolish things that are compared to Jesus? You have a choice. We all have a choice. Who will you follow today? 
Who will you go to tomorrow? We are all part of this following. We're all following something. But we actually get the choice of who to follow. So who are you following? Let's pray. Lord, it is a great honor to be able to speak to you and to lift up our concerns and lift up our worries and just praise you for who you are, that we get to be in your presence. That is such, such great news. And that we get to do that anytime we want in Jesus. Lord, help us to know how holy you are. Help us to know that you are so much more than what we think you are. That there is still so much to learn. That there is still so much to repent of. We don't know how messed up we are. We desperately want to know because we want to know the good news in the midst of our brokenness and our sin because we know and we trust that you are right there waiting for us to turn back to you. Give us strength to bring things into the light because we know that the light is good because you are good. You have proved that through Jesus. Help us be aware and attentive of what the Holy Spirit is doing within us. If the Holy Spirit is knocking at our hearts and telling us to follow you, to come follow you, to leave the things of this world, to take up our own cross and follow you, help us make the decision. Help us be empowered to believe that you are good and that you will take care of us and that you will not leave us and forsake us as orphans, but that you will take us in as sons and daughters and give us the same status as your own son, Jesus, who lived perfectly in our place. If this is true, this is the most amazing news there is. There should be no one in here right now that wants to walk away from that. Thank you for revealing yourself. Thank you for having a plan for us. Thank you for being faithful to your promises and never going against what you've promised us. God, we are thankful to be your church. We are humbled to be your church. We know we are not worthy to be your church, but that your grace and your mercy is enough for us. Help us this year in 2016 not to make goals without you. Help us not to pursue things that make you part of our plan, but help us to know we are part of your plan and we want to follow you, that there is nothing greater, that there is nothing more, that all the temptations are deceptions and that really they're just big lies that at the end of the road is a dead end but you have a path towards eternity, towards righteousness, towards goodness that you've created and you're walking in front of us on. Help us to rest in you and your protection. In your name we pray, amen.